Hi, welcome to Colonial Williamsburg, past and present on history.org. This is behind the scenes when you meet the people who work here. That's my job. I'm Lloyd Dobbins, and mostly I ask questions. This time I'm asking Richard Nickel, and at Colonial Williamsburg, he's the director of coach and livestock programs. And the obvious first question is, what does the director of coach and livestock programs do? Uh, basically, I oversee all the carriage, horse, and livestock programs. So it includes sheep, cattle, poultry, and everything to do with that. Poultry, too. Poultry, too. I would not have put that together. But... They are livestock. Oh, really, are they? Yeah. Uh, I've been reading some 17th century uh, estate, 18th century estate things, and they don't list uh, fowl at all. Well, they occasionally will, but normally it's n not in an uh, not in an inventory. It's if they do, if there's great numbers, they'll just occasionally talk about a turkey house. Hmm. Occasionally they'll talk about uh, maybe a chicken pen or a chicken coop, but the actual animals in there, no, or the fowl in there. Anyway, I, I found that strange because yeah, I, I was reading these farm inventories and it just occurred to me I never saw any fowl, and that's not possible. I no, mean, there, was a, there was a lot of poultry. Now, the coach part, what's that part? That's all to do with carriages. Carriages, wagons, carts, uh, and harness and horses. So you're responsible for taking care of all of that, all keeping of that. it repaired? Keeping it repaired, keeping it running. And so I work heavily with the, or very closely with the harness shop and with the wheelwright operation and with blacksmith. Okay, now the, the, the coach is going up and down Duke of Gloucester Street, they're yours? Yes. How? They, well, they belong to the foundation, of course. Well, you have to, but you take care of them. Yeah, you, you, care you're of them. the guy who they come to if it breaks down. Absolutely. Okay. How long does a coach run before it needs repair? It all depends. Oh. It can be 10 minutes. It can be oh, well. three years. Uh, on the whole, we're, we're, maintain we, we're cleaning them every day if they're being used, so we're overseeing what's happening. Um, what you have to remember is we're putting our carriages through much heavier use than they would have had in the 18th century because we're doing maybe 15 to 20 rides a day, so the steps are being taken down and put up maybe 40 times in a day. Well, steps never had that kind of wear and tear in the 18th century. We're running up to 20 miles a day, maybe a bit more on the streets, so with that kind of wear and tear, the axles, if they were as they were in the 18th century, would wear out. The tires on the carriages wear about wear out if they're in fairly heavy use within two to three years. Now, tires in the 18th century and tires today are not same the same. thing. They are really? the same thing. The metal rim around the outside of the wooden wheel. Oh, okay. So, except for replacing the metal with rubber, it's Pretty much. Absolutely. And most of the most carriages uh, of an earlier type or even a 19th century type, the majority still have steel wheels. Okay. Uh, livestock. The horses pulling the coaches, making that many trips. Do you run them every day? The horses work f uh, every, they work a full day, but they work like three hours in the morning. Mm -hmm. And then they have about an hour and a half off for lunch, and then they work perhaps two and a half hours in the afternoon, and then some of them work again for two hours in the evening. Mm -hmm. 
So they have breaks in between. Oh, okay. So it's so not constant all it's day. It's not constant. Okay. No. Since I don't know, I'll just have to bluntly ask it. What's the biggest problem you face? Maintenance. Just day-to-day. -day. Just day-to-day, -day, nothing dramatic, just... No, it's, it's, we have over a hundred animals, so it's, it's from sicknesses to injuries to horses needed shoeing to, like this morning we have a calving problem with a cow, to carriages with problems, to harness falling apart, to trucks and trailers with problems, to pastures with problems, to waterers with problems, and the list goes on. <laughs> just sort of a constant and it's constant and it's 24 hours a day and it's seven days a week well that ought to make you tired I've been doing this for 35 36 years I think if I went into it brand new I would be exhausted <laughs> but I suppose I've conditioned myself fairly well <laughs> there's a thing I have noticed here there uh, I think there's a new book out called uh, uh, Rare Breeds, yep. it's just rare breeds. Is that part of your... Yeah, that was my idea, that book, and put it so I was the one who kind of pushed to get it put together. Oh, okay. Yeah. What, dumb question, why do you have a Rare Breeds program? Uh, basically, we wanted livestock in the, in the historic area, and when I first came here 22 years ago, we had some livestock, not as much as we have now, and basically, if they wanted a cow, they went and bought a cow. If they wanted a sheep, they went and bought a sheep. And our point was it would be uh, back in the middle 80s to the end of the 80s, we'd, I decided that really we'd, we'd be better if we had it something of a more historic nature. Mm -hmm. And the rare breeds program uh, was really just taking off in the United States. And a lot of the rare breeds, as we call them, tend to be older breeds because they're not so commercially viable nowadays. So that several of these older breeds really fit neatly into our picture of, of uh, populating the town to look more, have that appearance more of the 18th century. Mm -hmm. And also it was a nice program because it really was helping conserve something. Um, most of what we're doing is conserving buildings or items, but here we're actually helping conserving something live. So it, it fit very well into the Colonial Williamsburg mission. Do, do guests here get interested in that? Very, very, very interested. Why, I wonder? I think it's the idea of conserving something. Everyone, most people have a soft spot for animals. Most people enjoy animals. And I think in this day and age, most people aren't so aware of where their food is coming from and how it's being produced. And that gives us a chance to talk about, A, where their food came from in the past, and also how it's being produced today and how uh, we're really homogenizing everything in this day and age. And it's often not always known. And the example we give is the dairying industry. Most people don't realize that about 90 to 95% of all dairy cows now are of one type. I didn't know that. <laughs> no. Whereas if you'd gone back 60, 70 years ago, there were many, many types. And so, you know, we're, we're concentrating everything. And the point about the rare breeds also is that once we allow these old breeds to go, that's it. They never come back again. You never bring back the old breeds. Uh, when you were listing things, you didn't list any pigs or swine? or We have pigs, but we, we, we have some rare breed pigs, but we just bring them in 
from an outside, another museum, Mount Vernon, oh. who raise these pigs, and then we use them for exhibit, and then we use them in our kitchen programs later. I, uh, what's the name of the horse that I've seen a picture of, rare breed horse? Would it be one of the creams, perhaps? Yes. Yeah. It, uh, they look like they are heavier. They are heavier. Oh. They're called the American Cream Draft Horse, so they're a draft horse being a workhorse. And that was uh, when we got into the American Dream Cream Draft Horses, it, was one of, it is the only American breed of draft horse. It's a, it's a, a more modern breed from the 20th century. Mm -hmm. But they were very, very... Um, they were disappearing very fast, so we basically helped bring that breed back a little bit. Ah. We don't have many. We have a few of them. How about cattle? Cattle, we're very much into the milking Devons, which are an early breed and probably one of the first types of cattle being brought into here in the 17th century, both into New England and into the southern colonies. I must admit one of my bigger laughs was walking around Colonial Williamsburg when a father was explaining to his son that if it had horns on it, it was a bull. Yep. And I just said, well, why don't you just keep your mouth shut and keep on walking, son? But that's, did, did you get that? Yes, we get a lot. We, what you have to remember is as, as we move into this century, there's less and less people with any kind of rural background. That's right, isn't it? Most people are living in an urban situation now, our generation, perhaps our grandfathers or fathers were farmers or uncle was a farmer, but nowadays most people are living in, in an urban, not a rural situation. So that their closest thing they come to animals is either in a petting zoo or maybe at a state fair. But there's often an enormous disconnect between what they see in the grocery store and what is reality. And the classic is that seeing a calf drink from a cow that the people ask, why would we let the calf drink the milk that cow's producing for us? There is a disconnection between the idea of a cow having a calf, and that's why we get milk. That had not occurred to me, that anybody would ever ask why. Because, I mean... Uh, well, why would they not ask? That's the thing, because yeah, but if, if they you... really don't use buy milk in a bottle... And you know it comes from a cow, but the calf is never mentioned in there. Yeah, but if, if you have a dog or a cat, you've seen the puppies or the kitties get milk from the mother. Why would the cow but you never happy? see the milk. Point. You never, yeah. Yep. And also you don't buy it in a bottle at the store. So. Absolutely. So it's simple things like that. And just what the point you made, they've got horns. Even that we've been milking the cows and people saying there must be bulls. On the because other hand, if, if nobody connects to the farm anymore, how would you know what the difference between a bull and a cow is? Absolutely. And that's why it becomes so important, our livestock programs, not just because they're there, but also because we can talk about these things. Okay. And the sheer fact that you can lean over a fence here in Colonial Williamsburg and watch the sheep, and there's no signs telling you what to do and that no one's telling you where to go and that people can go up to a pasture fence and have a horse right next to them. And you'd be surprised how many people that is a very, very new experience. Yeah. Yeah.
in your job, it, it, there, it, it's two sections, if I've got this right. It's about 30 sections. Don't ruin my question. <laughs> You've got coaches and livestock, yeah. which is more bothersome. No, I wouldn't say either one is bothersome. They're both hard work. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've got a very good staff. I mean, it's not me doing everything, but I have to just make sure we keep on track. I would imagine that keeping track of all that could be quite time-consuming and very detailed work, is it? It is. Uh, we keep a lot of records, and that's why I rely on very good staff. Um, it is. Again, you know, I suppose I've been doing it for so long, I don't think of it so much that way, but I think if someone came in from the outside, you'd find it very confusing to begin with of how to keep up with it all. That's Colonial Williamsburg past and present this time. Check history.org often. We'll post more for you to download and hear.